0: Is
1: real. There's power in your name. We find hope, man. We trust in your ways. We need Jesus is
0: real. The punishment that you deserve, God placed on Jesus in our place. And we allow Jesus to receive the judgment that we deserved and God allows us to receive his righteousness that we never deserved. And we got to make sure we don't take that for granted. That we don't make that a small thing. That we, to use the phrase of the book of
1: Hebrews, that we don't neglect so great a salvation. The weight of salvation needs to be fully experienced by all of God's children. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shares the judgment of God on those who refused to follow him and encourages us to heed their fate. We will never experience the wrath of God for our sins thanks to Jesus. We're saved, we're loved, and that knowledge should change our lives. As you listen today, allow the fullness of the grace of Jesus to wash over you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Chosen for Blessing.
0: Let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, as we continue our study here in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. One of the things that you find if you've studied God's Word at all is that God realizes that repetition is the greatest teacher, that we have to hear things over and over and over again. And as we continue to hear these things, at some point they begin to sink down deep into our hearts and to transform our lives. If you think about what's going on for the children of Israel here, it was only 40 years ago that they were slaves in Egypt. They were younger people. Remember, the generation who left Egypt, the entire older generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, ended up perishing in the wilderness. So the generation that's hearing the book of Deuteronomy, which is in effect Moses' last message, they were raised as slaves. And because they were raised as slaves, they had a slave mentality. And In the Lord delivering them from Egypt and bringing them into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land, the Lord's desire is for them to see themselves differently than they had been raised to see themselves. Although they were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were considered property by the Egyptians. And over and over and over again, God needs to tell them who they are because at some point, They might believe it. And isn't that the same thing that's true for us as people? Depending on how you were raised, depending on the experiences that you had, there's a way that you see yourself. But God wants to speak into your heart who you really are. And we need to hear it over and over and over and over again because left up to our own devices, you hear it one time and you're not going to believe it. Or maybe it's going to resonate, but you're still stuck in a way of thinking that is in opposition to who God says that we are. I posted on social media earlier this week that we are not our mistakes. There's a lot of people who want to tell you that's what you are. You're just your mistakes. Maybe you got a, a record or a rap sheet. That's who you are. No, you're who Jesus says that you are. And if you read your Bible, Jesus says that you're the beloved of God because of Jesus. Jesus makes us the beloved of God. When you first hear that, you'll be like, I remember when I first heard that, I'm like, yeah, right. But now as I reflect over 18 years of following Jesus, When you start to believe that you are who Jesus says you are, it actually changes you. It changes the way you see your experiences. It changes the way you view the world. It changes the way you deal with tragedy. And there is an important lesson in the need for repetition. And God wants... Each one of us, as we're hearing what we're going to hear, I don't know that anything that I'm going to say tonight out of Deuteronomy 7 is something, if you've been tracking with us since Genesis 1-1, that you haven't heard before. But my hope is, and I believe it's the hope of the Holy Spirit as well, that at some point in the infinite numbers of times we hear these things, at some point, God's word will be mingled in with faith in our hearts, and we'll begin to see ourselves differently, we'll begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. Not see ourselves the way we were taught to see ourselves or a broken world or a failed relationship or a mistake that you made yesterday or many decades ago tells you that you are. So check out what it says here. So Deuteronomy seven, verse one. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you shall go to possess, And has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall... You make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son or take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly, but thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burned their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, but you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face. To destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Now, if you've been tracking with us, you've heard all this many times in many different ways. We keep coming back to these same themes, but they're still important. Notice it's when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. That's the beginning of verse one. It doesn't say if, it says when. Because God promised he was going to do this and so there's a certainty to it. There is, this is what's going to happen. Now when this happens, right, it says he's going to cast out the nations before you. And Then it lists these seven nations, the Hittites, the Gershites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the different ites, right? I tell you this because these were almost like, they were nations, but they were based on a group of people. Like I've always joked that it's like, there's the Fuscoites, you know, those are my peoples. And you put your last name, put ites on the end, those are your people, right? So there's these seven nations that they're going in the land to dispossess. Now. It says that when they go in, these nations are stronger than the children of Israel. They're mightier than them. But notice in verse 2, but when the Lord your God delivers them over to you. Now, this is important, and this comes up a number of times in this passage, is that strength is determined by whose team the Lord is on. And as my pastor John Henry used to say, that you and God in any crowd is a majority. Because whomever team the Lord is on, that is the team that's going to win. This I had a great example of this. So I remember when Lynn and I, before we were married, we were engaged. Now, I was super smart because I got engaged to Lynn before I brought her to meet my crazy family. You know, like, I'm smart that way. I remember I told my dad, I'm like, I got engaged. Like, we don't even know this girl. I'm like, well, I got engaged before she met you. <laughs> right? And so we were in Florida because my family, a number of them had retired and moved to Florida. And we were walking at Daytona Beach. We were down there and we were getting ice cream. And in Daytona Beach, Florida, there's all these sand volleyball things. And there was a guy there who was like literally, how many of you ever seen Bugs Bunny play tennis with himself? Anybody? Yeah. So there was a guy who was literally playing beach volleyball with himself. Right. And so we're all there and there's like, you know, a big mob of Italians, you know, my whole family, you know, and so this guy's like, hey, you guys want to play? And we're like, uh, and he's like, all of you guys against me. And we're like, all right. Now, mind you, this is the first time Lynn is meeting my family, and I kind of want to be impressive. You know what I mean? Like, we are engaged, so she's almost to the finish line. But, like, I wanted to be impressive. So there's, like, ten of the Puscoites on one side, and there's this one guy on the other side, and I'm here to tell you, he completely shut us out. 12-0. Now... What I didn't know at the time, but I actually found out a few years ago that he's actually an Olympic gold medal beach volleyball guy. And on the last Summer Olympics, he won the gold medal. I'm like, my sisters are calling me, that's the guy who absolutely owned our whole family in beach volleyball. I mean, it was bad, you know what I mean? Because Lynn is not playing. She's sitting with my dad's wife and just watching this thing. And I'm like, I'm like trying to be all top gun on this thing. And it was not, it, didn't, it was not, it was not good. It was not good. And it was really kind of quite pathetic. And what's really funny is when you're in a, in a family that's all Italian, there's a lot of emotions that go on as well. So it was quite disconcerting. But I bring all this up not to confess my family stuff, but to say that's kind of like when God's on your team. It could be 97 people on one team and Jesus on the other team and Jesus is going to shut them out. That's how that goes. And the Lord is trying to tell the children of Israel, listen, yeah, they're stronger than you. All these nations have been in this land, and guess what? I'm giving you the land, so it's going to be okay. But if you personalize that to your own life, do you really believe that? Do you really believe That although whatever situation that you're up against, it seems larger than you, stronger than you, mightier than you, and the Lord's like, no, no, I got you. Don't worry. Do you really believe that? We should believe that because that's what God's word tells us. But I realize that in the push that comes to shove of real life, oftentimes we don't believe it. But this is who we really are in Christ. He says, look, when you go, I'm giving you the land. I want you to conquer them. I want you to utterly destroy them. I want you to make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy. Now, many, many people struggle with this type of language in the Bible, but you have to realize a couple things. One, God does not delight in judging a group of people, but God is also a just God, and he couldn't be perfect if he didn't. And God is using the children of Israel in their entrance into the promised land to be his arm of judgment for those people. Now, people don't like that stuff, but that's the way it works sometimes. See, many people love the idea of a God of love, and they don't like the idea of a God of justice. But I'm here to tell you, God can't be a God of love unless he's a God of justice, And God doesn't want to bring judgment. He does not want to destroy, but sometimes that's where these things land based on the decisions that people make. And you can imagine for the Girgashites and the Hittites and the Canaanites, all these different ites that are there, you can imagine how many times the Spirit of God prompted them to amend their ways. And how many times they said no. How many times they decided against that. What's amazing is, is if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, God told Abraham that his descendants were going to be slaves in Egypt for a long time, but when the fullness of the iniquity of the Amorites comes, then he will deliver his people, and they will be his instruments of justice. You can go back and read in the book of Genesis. See, God knew the exact time that at that time that he's bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, it's also time to pay the piper, so to speak, for these nations that are living in rebellion. Now, you got to ask yourself, if God is a God of justice, and if justice is part of his perfections, you got to ask yourself, which side of the relational grid are you with God? See, as Christians, you have to remember, we believe in Jesus because Jesus received the just punishment for our sins. That's the gospel. The gospel is that the punishment that I deserved, God gave to Jesus in my place. And the punishment that you deserved, God placed on Jesus in our place. And we allow Jesus to receive the judgment that we deserved. And God allows us to receive his righteousness that we never deserved. And we got to make sure we don't take that for granted, that we don't make that a small thing, that we, to use the phrase of the book of Hebrews, that we don't neglect so great a salvation. Take it lightly. Be like, oh, you know, I was talking to someone just recently, and they said, well, you know, like, you know, I, like, I just don't know why we have to take Jesus so seriously. And I'm like... He died in our place. Like, how do you, like, blow that off? Like, you can't just be like, oh, you know, he died in my place. But, like, what's the big deal? I mean, it's like, people do that all the time. No, they don't. Like, it's a huge thing that the Lord did. And sometimes we can make it so casual. Now, I believe that if a person is in Christ, God placed all of the judgment for our mistakes on Jesus. But I'm sure that in a congregation the size of Crossroads here on a midweek, people watching online, I'm sure there's some of you who are like, I haven't put my faith and trust in Jesus. And you gotta ask yourself, how many things would God be absolutely righteous to pass a guilty verdict on in my life? That's why you need Jesus. That's why. Because if you're self-reflective at all, you realize there's all sorts of stuff. I do all sorts of things wrong. God would rather forgive and bestow mercy than judge. But God won't impose that on us. He asks us to invite him in. I want to encourage you to invite the Lord in. All these nations didn't have to be judged. They could have repented and turned to the Lord, and God would have blessed them. But this is the fruit, the outgrowth, the consequences of their decisions. And God is using the children of Israel as part of that. Now, in verse 3, notice it says this. It says, nor shall you make marriages with them, nor shall you give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and will destroy you suddenly. And then it goes on in verse five to say, but thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, shall break down their sacred pillars, shall cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. Now, if you put all those verses together, most people get hung up on the first verse that don't intermarry. But the reason why There is a prohibition against intermarriage is given in verse 4 and 5 because they're going to turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. See, the problem with unequal yoking, that's what the Bible calls it, is that when you are unequally yoked, whether it's in a business relationship or in a romantic relationship or in a marital relationship, What happens is, is there is the influence that comes from the people who are closest to you, and that influence God cares about because when we allow ourselves to be influenced, to turn away from the Lord, every time you turn away from the Lord, you are turning towards another God, not a real God, not a creator, sustainer God, but some form of belief that keeps us from being the people we were created to be. And so it's about the influence that happens. Now, I wonder right now how many of us, because of unequal yokings in some way, are finding ourselves, our hearts being turned away from the Lord and turning towards other things. Other saviors. I was talking to somebody like, I, I can't believe you know the Christian faith would be so narrow that it'd say that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't marry a non-Christian. I'm like, you don't understand Christianity at all. Because if the influence of somebody can turn you from being the person God created you to be to be an abomination to God. That's a pretty huge thing. Now, don't get me wrong. You might say, well, listen, I am married to a non-believer. What do I do now? Well, you read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and you love the Lord, and you love that person. It would break God's heart more if you were to leave that marriage because God will use you as a vehicle to bring his light into someone's life. For those of you who are single, marriage is hard. And I'm married to one of the most godly people I've ever met. Make a good decision. Make a good decision. Can I get an amen from all the married folks? Yeah, I was like, woo! Make a good decision. In your relationships, when you're going into business with people, make good decisions. Because it's not about the companion It's about the worship that comes from the influence of the companion And God wants us to be godly influences on one another The Bible calls this building up or edifying Where two people are pushing each other closer to Jesus by their relationship One of the things that Pastor Jen Our executive pastor of ministries always says He says when something goes on in someone's life What happens next is always determined by Who's speaking into their life? Something happened, and you get lousy advice, which leads to lousy understanding of what's going on. It happens all the time. And Pastor G is so right, because what he's saying is that when something goes on, how you choose to understand what is happening, if you have good influences, they'll give you great counsel. Like when something goes on, someone's like, oh, man, this went on, and I was so mad. And someone's like, oh, you weren't mad enough. You should have told them off, sister. You know, you get into the whole thing. That's lousy counsel. Where in the Bible She's like, you should tell them off worse than you did? No. Someone should say, you know, listen, so, yeah, you're in the flesh right now. You should forgive that person. You should be long-suffering. That's not a good thing. But you see what it is? We are all influenced, and whatever influences us, it affects the way we worship. It affects what we value. And no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, we all have these influences. And there's no doubt in spousal relationships within families, there's the strongest influence we know. But what God is concerned about is that we worship Him alone. And when we worship him, we become like him. And when we become like him, we get to be salt and light in a world that needs light and seasoning. So that's what he's concerned about here. He's saying, look, if you intermarry, they're going to pull you away. And then when they pull you away, you're going to find yourself under God's judgment just as they are. So when you go in, I want you to wipe out all their wooden altars, break down all their sacred pillars. I want you to take all the carved image. I want you to burn it all.
1: Jesus is real The people of Israel needed a refresher course in God's faithfulness as they began to enter their promised land. And Studying it refreshes our memories too. Pastor Daniel today encouraged us to remember what God has done and to trust Him moving forward. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Ever make a New
0: Year's resolution that you weren't able to see through? Come on, we've all done that. The reason we make those resolutions is because we want to upgrade our life. What if I told you that the best upgrade you can make in your life is to live the way Jesus wants us to live, following him in the greatest commandment. I wrote a brand new book called Upward, Inward, and Outward, and in it, you will discover a God-breathed system for living. You can change the world as you follow Jesus. So check it out, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
1: Here's Josh with more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, New Year's resolutions are very common in our culture today. Why not actually take a step by taking in something that will affect you spiritually? Pastor Daniel's book, Upward, Inward, Outward, is the perfect solution. We encourage you to log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and start this new year out right. Again, that's available at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel encourages us to be ruthless with our removal of sin in our lives. God wants us to live holy lives that requires steering clear of sin. If something is enticing us to sin, we must remove it from our lives. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series, Refresh. Until then, may God bless.